0: No, I don't actually have anything planned. That's okay. That's okay. We're wrecked. That's fine. <laughs> we just go with the bloody flow. It's happening. You've lost weight. Really? Yes. Oh, well, I've been walking and I'm, I'm watching my calories. Am I going to be the fat friend on the stage? No, I'm still the fat <laughs> friend. I'm still the fat friend.
1: <laughs> I had a friend that took a photograph of me, a candid snap of me, in the pub. And he put it into the group chat. as like, look who I'm out with. I'm, I'm out with Kevin. And I had an existential breakdown for the rest of the night where I just thought, oh my God, I've turned into my 70-year-old dad. <laughs>
2: it was really
1: shocking. <laughs> and that's a nice segue for de-aging.
0: Oh, honestly.
3: I'll you small words so that you'll be sure
4: to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon. What you just said
2: is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.
3: What did you say?
4: You are a sad, strange little man. Don't call me stupid.
3: Hello,
1: and welcome to the Best Bits, a movie podcast where we pick our favorite scenes from randomly selected, weirdly specific themes. This is your co-host, a writer of. Uh, <laughs> how, how many times have I done wanted One in a bit. <laughs> And three and a bit episodes of TV. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, a writer of three films plus a Christmas special. You will, you will, you will, you will, you will, you will. You will! Uh, will Collins. How are you getting on, Kevin
0: Lehan? What's the crack good to be here? I'm fucking exhausted. I'm tired too. I wish I could de-age right now. Just put on that beauty filter. That's all you need. I have all the beauty filters switched on. I'm <laughs> all on right now. At, my, my computer is chugging. The RAM has been sucked up, trying to take the wrinkles and harsh life off of my face. I don't think that light is
1: your friend, so we should turn down (laughs) the light in the... That's a Simpsons reference. I'm not calling Will.
0: (laughs) Hold. It's awfully dark in here. Light is not your friend. Alright, let's do this thing. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, my God. De-aging. Yeah, were you thrilled?
1: Uh... (laughs) I'll tell you what I can tell you. Go on. I remember when de-aging was first spoken about and it was like, oh, it's going to be this cool new thing. Right. And it was for X-Men The Last Stand.
4: And I would expect you of all people would understand my feelings about the misuse of power. Ah, power corrupts and all that. Yes, I know, Charles. When are you going to stop lecturing me? Then you start listening?
0: <laughs> and I remember seeing that film and seeing the de-aging effect in that film. And and I remember thinking, oh, that doesn't look very convincing. Mm-hmm. It was like the skin one looks <laughs> like it wants to slip off their face, and their teeth are moving around. It's weird. Why did they look like a Kardashian?
1: <laughs> but that only came about in 2006. Wow. Well, so in 16 years, there haven't been that many de aging
0: films. A lot of Marvel. They're Marvel. That's well, primarily. I'm thinking Marvel, Star Wars. Disney have a fierce hard-on for it. there's Well, there is a few outside of the outside of that. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, hang on a second. Oh, oh, Disney used it for Tron as well.
4: Dad. I'm not your father, Sam.
2: And I'm very, very happy to see you.
0: That was an early one. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Look at you, the enthusiasm, the enthusiasm. (laughs) I, you know, my, I think they've gotten better in recent years. I think the Marvel movies, like, you know, the Samuel L. Jackson one was pretty decent. Um, Yeah, but
1: black don't crack. I mean, they didn't have to do much there. (laughs) Just take his eye patch
0: off and suddenly he's like, (laughs) my
1: God, it's a young Nick Fury.
0: They've de-aged him (laughs) amazingly. But yeah, the early ones, the Michael Douglas one. I didn't like... Nah. It looks so weird still. I'll tell you what my favourite de-aging scene was to get the ball rolling. Wow, you're starting at your, <laughs> with your favourite. Wow. I've got one you, I could share. With I'm you, Benjamin you Buttoning about? this. Oh, I'm shit, going okay. right back. Right, okay. And
1: my pick is not Benjamin Button.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Do you know what it is?
0: Well, okay. Do you <laughs> want me to try and guess? Right, All the clues I've given you is this, is this uh... actually you tell me you tell me what your pick is and
1: then I'll tell you what mine is okay my pick drag comes... it out because we've got another 50 minutes to
0: film okay my pick predates X-Men The Last Stand and I don't know is this a cheat because as I looked at all of the kind of releases with all these de ones and I basically there isn't even the, the Irishman, you know, it just—it's the uncanny valley effect. It's what it is.
1: Do you remember when Robert De Niro was beating up the guy and he was curb stomping
0: him, yeah. and he had this rubber face on, and he still had the body of like a <laughs> seventy-five-year-old? Yeah, it's—it it was one of those moments, one of those shots where editing could have been your friend, or could have been a friend to Robert De Niro in that moment. Like that Liam Neeson cut where oh, yeah. he, <laughs> he jumping over <laughs> he the goes fence. over a fence <laughs> in sixty cuts. Yeah, yeah, I think we needed 60 cuts of Robert De Niro pushing the guy out through those uh, the shop doors and uh, not seeing the walk because he has this really frail walk up to the man on the street. But I went for a cheat answer, right? And my cheat answer comes from 2002 and it is from The Lord of the Rings, Two Towers and it's the de-aging of King Theoden. Mm-hmm. When we meet him, he is old and decrepit and almost like as you can see the cobwebs and he's hair. Which one was he again? He's the the king of the Rohan riders and uh, he's the you know Rohan So he was key. Were they like the goodies? They were on the horses the ones on horses The horses The horse people Okay The horse people actually I think the colloquial name was were They fighting they were the horses Were they fighting with the Frodo's? <laughs> they were the horses Yeah they were, The horses were fighting the Frodo's and then there was the, the pointy-eared lads and they were just and fighting with anyone
1: They were just collecting all the rings so it was like Sonic. That was, <laughs> <it> was like,
0: <laughs> Oh God, there's going to be so many frustrated <laughs> Lord of the Rings fans out there right now. Madness. But, but my favourite DH of scene comes for the moment where Gandalf sees that he's under the influence of Wormtongue, who's under the influence of Saruman. I release you from the spell. Urgh.
4: I will draw you, Salomon, as poison
2: is drawn from our wound.
4: And we see
0: him de-aging from his old decrypted self to his natural self. And the special effect is, is him actually becoming younger. And so in actual fact, it's a cheat because his younger self is how he looks. Bernard Hill looks in real life. So that was my preferred de-aging scene. Yeah, it's a cheat. And mine is actually from The Last Crusade. If you rewind
1: the ending... When Donovan drinks the wrong cup, if you rewind it,
0: Christ. you get to see him de-age. <laughs> oh, no, gosh. It goes from a skeleton. and not a pile of dust. He turns from to a, uh, John Carpenter into James
1: Cameron. It's incredible. No, genuinely. <laughs> I think that's a fair pick, to be honest. Thank I don't particularly think any of the de-aging scenes are that interesting. Yeah. It is Uncanny Valley. So I went for a cheat as well. And I went for Death Becomes Her. Brilliant. The Robert Zemeckis film. Yeah. And it's the scene when Meryl Streep drinks the potion. Grace. And she says, now, now a warning. warning. And as she's leaving the mansion, she looks at herself in the mirror and she starts to visibly de-age. Her boobs lift, her bum tightens her wrinkles on her neck disappear and Meryl Streep goes from a woman in her late 40s into a woman in her early 30s and it is uh, very convincing I'm a
0: girl and it's also a very good film. So that was my pick. Great film. I haven't seen it since when it came out. Mid-90s. David Kemp. Since the mid-90s, wasn't it? I think it's a great satire. And yeah. it's so funny. And I love the scene at Bruce Willis's funeral. And they're just these decrepit creatures hidden under shrouds at the back of the church. And it's a really, oh, they've turned into witches. Yeah. It's a, yeah. So that, so that's your favourite pick for the ageing scene. So. So are you going to go backwards and do the history of the ageing or? Um... Discuss de aging. Yes, yeah, so X Men. X Men. Right. And um, they've done it. Yeah. What else can we tell?
1: You know, sometimes the wheel it it doesn't go your way. It's a bit cruel sometimes. Yeah. It doesn't go your way. Yeah. It's it's a bit cruel sometimes.
0: Yeah. But but listen, Marvel have used de aging quite a lot. Yeah. Michelle yeah, Pfeiffer, yeah. uh, Ant Man sequel. Michelle Pfeiffer. Am I right in saying that she was in that? I don't know. Um. <laughs> the research here. What you have for your tea? <laughs> have the wheels come off this topic, Kevin?
1: I might call someone. Do that. A specialist. Podbot, hand me my um, Motorola.
0: See if anyone can come in and help us out. Right. <laughs> oh, geez, He actually does have a Motorola. Would you look at the state of it? You can get disinfectant wipes now, you know. let assume I can call... I'm going to have to in the... Ro- uh, hi!
1: Yeah, are you free? Oh, shit. He's at the door.
4: I'll get this. You.
1: you actually do have someone coming. We really need to take some of those chains <laughs> off the door. Like We don't need to be that... Reinforced. Oh, Jesus. Yes, Pierce. Pierce, take a seat. Pierce. Place, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Pierce. Hello. Were you just standing right outside the parking
5: for the last, like, 20 minutes? Always. I'm always there, Kevin. I I run a little coffee stand outside just in case. You're you're putting my my fictitious kids through college. I was wondering what the wailing was.
0: (laughs) My God. Welcome back, Pierce. What's the crack? Hello, Pierce Ryan. Hello. Listeners might remember Pierce from season two episodes, uh, something or other. Mm -hmm. Don't even try (laughs) and attempt it. (laughs) It was one of
1: the episodes... Best unscripted cameo and Jump the shark, and then the Rocky Four commentary, and then Stone, Stone Cold, Cold on Patreon. Yeah. Oh, this is really
5: I should yeah. I should have shares in the Best Bits podcast at this point. I think you really should. Yeah. Do we have any NFTs or some kind of cryptocurrency that you're going to be hawking uh, around?
0: I'm 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 drawing a monkey as we speak, <laughs> Pierce, and it's yours. Is that what you're doing? Okay.
1: What did you <laughs> call me?
0: <laughs> aren't all the celebrities buying NFT monkeys at the moment isn't Apes that the thing well, they're doing mm-hmm. These, this particular NFT if they have a tail they're a monkey if they don't have a tail I can't see it's just their head I can't tell I, all I'm seeing is the head I can't tell if there's a tail or if there's not a tail all I can see are arses <laughs> so yeah. No, no, no.
5: that's going to be the title of your autobiography isn't it Kevin I remember
0: you told me <laughs> it is everywhere I go all I see
1: are arses <laughs> Pierce we had a topic mm-hmm. best de-aged scene we thoroughly explored it and we got into the nitty gritty
5: oh god uh, you started slating Lord of the Rings who's, who's, who's de-aged in the Lord of the Rings is it Gandalf I suppose in The Hobbit or? King
0: Theoden the king or the steward or whatever he is of oh. Lahan, the horses in okay. the second one the horses the horses are de-aged
5: <laughs> well I what Gollum as well right Gollum looks a bit younger in the, in the first film, when we see a glimpse of him, don't we?
0: Oh, I suppose, yeah. There I we go. And basically, amazing. John
5: Travolta yeah. is getting younger in every film, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. Ultimately, he's just going to end up playing like the uh, the bubble child at the end of 2001. That's going to be his final role, I think, John Travolta.
0: Well, it'll have to be a remake because he was in a film called The Boy in the Plastic Bubble, oh, where he was actually in a plastic bubble. So he's been there, man. He's been there. <laughs>
1: And he was also in a film called Pulp Fiction, which is what I think when I look at some of the de-aged faces on screen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but Kevin, what are we going to do? What are we going to do if we're dropping de-aging and we are? You have to bring in Pierce. Why are you bringing? Pierce so in? listen, you were going to take over and host this episode because we're both absolutely <laughs> shattered.
1: <laughs> it's over no, to you. No pressure. And Pierce. here we go. Let's roll. The Pierce theme for the podcast. Fisty,
5: fisty, 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 ooh. fisty, 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 fisty ah. is really <laughs> handy because I've just got my scene wheel back from the repair shop. Um, I don't know if you know Mix Scene Wheel Repair Shop and Tattoo Parlor. <gasps> yes! it's, do you know do it? I? It's in Kulakland. <laughs> I know, it and well. uh, it's yeah, Tattoo Parlor as well. They're Robin Baskins. And they only do tattoos of Irish directors. Wow. <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> have you got which one? Is kind of amazing. And also, here's the other condition. They must be doing an action that rhymes with their name. So okay. I have three so far. I have Jim at the gym. I have Christ. Neil having a meal. And I have Lenny and Pennies Still in a shop There we go And they're all on my left That's a bit of a stretch there And it was all done today In fact So Okay let's spin our (laughs) Spin the scene wheel That's just been recently repaired by Mick And see what happens It looks more like an octagon Are we expected to fight each other over this? And Ooh. do you want to do the honours, Pierce? Best DVD or Blu-ray extras or 4K or whatever Incredible. the hell you're having yourself. So the best kind of extras that I've ever been on physical media. Um, oh, wow. I guess that incorporates kind of making of documentaries, uh, commentaries. I've got one. Go on. Yeah, it is the it's the behind the scenes footage with
1: David O. Russell and Lily Tomlin on I Heart Huckabees. I haven't seen this. Why is it so good? <laughs> when well, you get to see them negotiate how to block out a scene, and it's really, you know, it gives you great insight into the, into Hollywood and how it works. And I watched that. I think it was two thousand and six. Are you taking the piss? No, I'm deadly serious. is I, it real? Okay, it's real. I watched that, and it made me want to be a screenwriter. I just <laughs> yeah. thought it was like it was so moving No, you taking the piss? Pierce knows what
0: I'm talking like, about. Oh, we know that. Yeah. Was it a big bust-up? I play the clip there.
2: Okay. Fuck you. I'm just trying to
4: fucking help you. Do you understand me? No, no I'm being a fucking collaborator. Do I never fucking yell at you
0: before right now? I never fucking yelled at you. You fucking stand. That would be one of mine. Okay. I honestly don't know what that clip is because I'm not hearing the clip and I think it might that might be a joke clip. I think it is a joke clip. My God, you don't trust me
1: at all. After 17 years, <laughs> you don't trust me at all.
0: You know what mine is, right? Because I've had literally seconds to research this topic. So my mind has gone to when anyone asks me what's my favourite DVD <laughs> extra DVD special features I always think there are only one one film. Is that how you used to buy them in HMV? <laughs> Do you have any DVDs? The only films I could think of were Lord of the Rings Kevin Lord of the Rings Oh awesome <laughs> <choice. laughs> no no no, no.
5: Was there a special de-aging extra oh, that you were particularly drawn to
0: Well I, I've got two right and right. I'm actually I particularly like the four hour audio commentary on the extended editions I thought it was really in-depth four four four-hour commentaries on each film there's four four four-hour commentaries on each film now honestly it's this is I wasn't going to pick this this isn't my pick but I have to actually say the bloody well extra features in the Lord of the Rings extended editions are amazing but it's not my pick my pick is the Alien Quadrilogy genuinely great pick I've watched those behind the scenes stuff almost as much as the films themselves yes honestly listeners if you haven't picked up a
5: copy of the alien quadrilogy
0: with each film you basically get a feature film length documentary for the making of each film
5: yes the alien one is called the beast within and
0: they don't pull any punches on those that's
4: what's amazing certainly to be scared has been part of human nature since its very beginnings what
1: alien says about us now are those fears that we have which may be those fears that show up when we're dreaming the nightmares
3: I think he
6: took a lot of techniques from Alfred Hitchcock in the sense that you don't really see everything. The imagination is used, and I think that's what made it so
4: terrifying. I think once you're making a movie, you better keep that pressure on all the way through. On anything, actually. But God knows on a thriller, or God knows it's a marathon of tension.
0: Yes, we hear the struggles, The pain. The bullshit. Some of the shitty things that the executives were doing. Yes. Especially to David Fincher on Alien 3. Even if you hate Alien 3, the feature-length documentary for Alien 3 is riveting. Oftentimes, when you have a documentary about a film that goes wrong, it's worth the making of a bad film because you get an interesting documentary because it's full of drama and juiciness. And these extra features are packed, even for Alien Resurrection. That's
5: Interesting, because lots of Ridley Scott movies have amazing kind of documentaries about. Them, like Blade Runner, obviously, has got a um, yeah, he's got one as well, which is Dangerous Days. I think is the name of it. It's about three and a half hours long.
0: Yes, is that the one? That's not the one that Mark Kermode made. It's not. No, no, it's, no not. it's
5: not. No, 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 no. Yeah. no. What was the Exorcist one? The Fear of God. The Fear of God is so good. That was yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. Fear of, yeah. That wasn't the full title of it, The Fear of God is so good. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounded like. This is cinema as magical incantation, and as any sorcerer's
0: apprentice knows, even good magic can be dangerous.
5: But that's right. I remember it, like those documentaries on, on BBC when they were first um, shown, and then, of course, they're ported over onto onto DVD, but um, they were amazing. That's when you first saw The Spider Walk, wasn't it? Remember they had unearthed yeah. the footage and it was the first time yeah. you had seen any of that. He also did a brilliant one on The French Connection, I think, as well, which is also on the DVD.
1: But what was really important about The Fear of God is that that led to a tidal wave of support for unbanning that film. So, mm. you know, the power of, That documentary, you know, it can't be understated, really.
5: That's right, and there was like a freaking cut then that came out afterwards with the like the spider walk and everything reinstated into it, wasn't it, or or was the cut that you've never seen? Yeah, maybe I think it was called. You know, yeah, but yeah, no, all those document. I I mentioned this to somebody there before, but if you go on the Magnolia. Uh, DVD and by the way most of the a lot of these documentaries you can find on, on YouTube now obviously you know people have just ripped them up mm-hmm. and, and put them up that's also one of the things I like about this new age is although I, I think there's
1: a big difference between documentaries of films before they're coming out where it's almost like it's, it's marketing EPK
0: it's stuff advertising like, the film the
1: yeah yeah but there, there are a lot of really interesting sort well, of... Yeah, but like the David O. Russell one. <laughs> the David
0: O. Russell one.
5: <laughs> yeah, which shows you, yeah, it, the only way to direct is to shout at people.
0: Ah, you see, I knew you were taking a piss. <laughs> I knew um, it.
5: Was. <laughs> that's clearly the way to direct and get... Uh, that's clearly the way to get the best out of people is just to shout <laughs> at them. Oh. Um, but the making of Magnolia documentary, you, go, you can find it on YouTube. It's called uh, That mm-hmm. Moment. And it's about seventy something minutes long. And it's brilliant because it literally goes from him writing the script all the way to the premiere.
6: It was weird because I found that I couldn't write in the chaos of Boogie Nights Coming Out. I mean I just couldn't. I think I just wanted to make another movie right away because I was scared about expectations. And I thought I could cut them off at the pass if I just went right away and made another one. And as it started to die out, I started to write. So anyway, I wrote for eight months. Like, um, and the reality is that the majority of the writing really happened in the last two weeks. I went to Bill Macy's cabin in Vermont for a week, which is the middle of fucking nowhere. And that was really fantastic. And there was a snake outside the cabin. So, and this is true, I was really scared to leave. I was really scared to leave. So it really kept me in the cabin for one week. And I wrote, I just wrote, and I mean, it was really like ironing. Richard LaGravina is always described sort of writing as like, if you're ironing a shirt, you go a little bit and then you go a little bit more, you know, over the same section again, but down a little bit more and then down a little bit more. And that's kind of what it was like. And those two weeks, it was just like,
5: you see a lot of stuff that you wouldn't normally see in a documentary. For example, there's a bit, and they're in the middle of shooting, and he finds out that basically some of, the budget, there's, some of the budget has been taken away, or there's some kind of stuff going on that he wasn't aware, and literally it's just come to light. And all of this has been filmed, and normally you would imagine that that would be edited out of a documentary, but they kept it in. It's really, really interesting. What's also interesting is, is seeing him, he's continuing to write while he's filming, which are just kind of going, where yeah. are you finding the time? for God's sake, do you ever Mm -hmm. sleep to do that? I mean, he's literally coming in with new scenes that he's written that night, you know, after a full day's Shooting It's quite quite incredible. I watched Ma- I didn't know what Magnolia was and it's
0: paint. I r- I, I rented it and the DVD. So it was just in the dawn of DVDs. So I'd actually rented the mm. DVD from extravision and there was but there was this really surly guy working behind the counter and oh god, he just almost <laughs> turned that almost turned me. me off films. That's what I'm, that's what I'm insinuating, Kevin. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> but, but I went home watched the movie I loved the film I went to the extra features watched that documentary I loved the film even more then I went back and re-watched the film mm. it was so raw and honest and as you said candid yeah. there was moments there even where it almost feels like it's like drunk footage of, then one yeah, of them yeah the it's like their or-
5: own personal like home movie kind of are exactly. like, on, on set with um, Philip Seymour Hoffman and they're just having the a yeah. laugh basically and he's kind of suge- he's, he's showing the camera this is how phil is going to do the next scene and phil just has to go over to the mantelpiece and open up a cigar box but like the way yeah. that phil he imagines is going to do it basically he finds obstacles everywhere on his way to the yeah, cigar box like, and yes. is rattling around <laughs> everything brilliant. so he's turning <laughs> what should be just you know a five second scene into like two minutes long basically you know yeah. a, a big character kind of moment. It's just fabulous. Yeah.
0: It's in the era just before everyone got publicity managed, before social media mm. basically took over, where people's guards were down a little bit more. And so an extra camera in on the set yeah. was just like, oh, look, no one will ever see this. Cat, yeah. Do you
5: know what you what you're talking about there will? You can actually even see it with the like the DVD releases of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies because Hard eight mm-hmm. or Sydney, I think he calls it, that has fabulous, two brilliant commentaries on it. Again, you can find these commentaries on YouTube okay. where he's really, really candid about the filming. Of this and basically the trouble that he had with the production company and he had to basically steal his own movie in order to bring it to Cannes. Oh I wow. remember this. Note. Yeah and he goes into a load of detail about it. It's really well put together because he got uh, Philip Baker Hall as well kind of chips in there's lots of the cast kind
6: of talking and they're talking very freely. It's my first movie and um, it means a lot to me. It kind of became a bastard child for a little while but it's mine now. Um, and I love it, and, and there's a lot to say. So I'll start saying it. The reason why the, the, the titles are at the beginning is because of a guy named Robert Jones, who's one of the producers of this movie. Um, I had the four presentation cards at the beginning, and then the movie started. In other words, Right Shirt Entertainment presents a green pair of productions associated with Trinity, PTR is a picture, boom, and we start. Because I like to do it that way. That's how Boogie Nights is. And what happened was I got you know, through a sort of everyone's contract, a sort of standard movie contract, is that that your title goes before the picture. You know, your sort of main title credit goes before the picture. Now, considering that I'm friends with everyone who's on this movie, with the exception of Robert Jones, everyone agreed to waive that right, Um, except Robert Jones, who had been uh, essentially kicked off the movie by Reister Entertainment. So before that came to light, I had to get his permission. And he said point blank to me, I will not waive my right to have the main title at the beginning. So, therefore, I am essentially forcing you to put the main titles at the beginning.
5: So it's the same with, like, Boogie Nights. Yeah. Boogie Nights got two brilliant commentary tracks,
6: him just on his own. You're listening to a guy who learned a lot about ripping off movies from watching Laserdiscs with director commentary. Some of this movie comes from me, sure. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. When I sat down with Mike DeLuca, I had just come from a situation where I'd gotten so royally fucked over. You know, I just came out and he was like, calm down. What the, what the fuck is your problem? Maybe someone else would want to meet Robert De Niro or Tom Hanks or something. I wanted to meet John C. fucking Riley. Every single thing he does makes me laugh. What the fuck does that have to do with anything? I'm pretty egotistical and proud of this movie. This
3: is a giant cock.
6: Macy gets the gun, and this crowd of college kids cheers. Now then he shoots them, and they cheer even louder. And I thought, well, I have fucked up. Well then, Macy walks out, and he shot himself in the face, and they shut the fuck up real quick. We like it. I wrote and directed this movie, by the way. You don't think I can do it again? Well, watch what I have
5: up my sleeve. But also, there's one where he basically goes and visits lots of the cast in their own homes, and they're just having wow. the chat. And probably the most memorable bit of it is Mark Wahlberg, who um, <laughs> who basically tells a story about how, in his real life, he broke his penis.
3: Well, I've had my penis broken. If you can believe that or not, while having sex. How? Just snapped the other way Really? Oh yeah How? When? Ugh oh, Not good Like what? Like w- w- what happened? I thought I was dying bro When did this happen? I went I went, in the, to the, I went to the bathroom I laid there for about five minutes I went into the bathroom I turned the light on And it like I don't know You see like the little rascals Or like uh, <laughs> The Three Stooges Uh huh they, They're like making a pie or something Uh huh well, it's like blown up or an inner tube is about to explode, uh-huh, like uh-huh. an old car, uh-huh. tire is about to explode. I had that a, a big black bubble around my pricks, uh-huh. and I went into shock. <laughs> and I I laid down, I thought it was fucking a bad dream. I woke up the next morning, and the swelling was gone, and my whole entire penis was blacker than Andy's dick.
6: <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. How long was it like that?
3: About two weeks. Really Getting moved, didn't get hard, nothing. How did but it get better? Uh, it just went away. Yeah, it just like turned, you know, went from black to blue to purple. Jesus Christ!
5: Red. And then back to back the, to pink. Back to pink. Thank God. Back to normal. Yeah. So there we go. Podbox, if you want to cue that one up. Done. Oh, my God. You're welcome. Uh, you can. <laughs> but literally, so you have that. Then Magnolia has that brilliant documentary. But then after that, he didn't do any more commentaries or anything like that for his movies. And, wow. and the extras kind of just dwindled away, to be honest. with you.
1: I've always wondered why Spielberg never did any commentaries yeah, uh, for his yeah. films. That would be Fascinating. Did any of mm. you guys see the From Dust Till Dawn documentary, Full Tilt Boogie? No. Where Tarantino basically gave his friend Carte Blanche to shoot a documentary on the making of From Dust mm. Till Dawn. But... The documentary was focused more on the day-to-day sort of production side of things. So it was like with the grips and the the gaffers and the the non-union guys, and you know they're getting drunk and they're hanging out and they're gossiping, and it's just the the mundane sort of like mm. big brother type vibe of making a film. N- none of the actors are sort of focused. It's not about them. It's about the actual crew. And yeah, that's that's a really good one.
6: I love famous people. <laughs> Love them. I like to watch. I like to watch them eat or any, anything, anything like that. Love them. And you star fucker. Yeah, I'd be a stalker if I
2: didn't. If I actually wasn't paid to watch them.
7: Why do you like working in the film industry,
2: Kenny? The pay. The pay. Okay. Money. The only reason is money. Big money.
3: It's like kind of like that articulation of life, studying life, and it's by those last hands, that moment, that 1,000th of a second as the shutter clicks, as everything's immortalized, and I get a real rush out of that, knowing that I could do like that, or that. It's just documenting history, and a history that doesn't exist, and we're all making it up, and it's life, and I love it. Uh, it's one of the conditions of my probation.
6: I don't know. Why do I work in the film business? Hi, JT. How are you, sweetheart? That's why I work in the film business. So I don't have to have a real job. So I can work with a lot of people who don't want to have real jobs.
4: You're doing what you want. You're getting paid all that money and you get free meals and they pay for the hotel. You don't find that in any other business. Anyone who complains. I've never understood it.
3: Are we gonna have chicken again today?
4: Really? it filet mignon and lobster you have every night. You know?
6: Because of the craziness, the zaniness. It's, I don't wanna. I don't wanna work 95. So I rather work from four to uh, four to one. <laughs> four to four. When I was a kid, you know, I had a little black and white TV up in my room and I would stay up really late watching movies, just watching movies, and for me, all my life, you know, it's been movies were you know, my favorite, you know, art form, and so for me now to be able to have the chance to make those movies so that some other kid can be staying up all night in his room watching TV and watching old movies, you know, and the movies that I worked on to try and keep that going. Movies are just such a part of American life right now to have a say in that and to be able to work on those, I think, is, you know, a privilege
2: damn good time man living loving working sweating grinding hugging kissing it's all it's all
5: good it's art it's fun it's all come together i'm just trying to think what was my first dvd that i ever bought i presume it was the matrix i think Mine was The Mask of Zorro. <laughs> the Mask of Zorro.
1: I think it was just available. Yeah. The DVDs were sort of like rare. There might be five or ten yeah. of them on a yeah, shelf. Yeah. And there might be one out next week. And then suddenly it started to become, yeah. there's ten out this week and 20 out next week. And also, I want to mention one other thing, which is a really sort of oddity and mm. curio. And it is the chronological cut of Memento. Yes. Oh, yeah. Did any of you ever bother watching that? I yeah.
0: never watched it. Yeah. As, so you how, have all how, the black and white how, footage how at the start
5: and then you have the color footage after, yeah. right? Yeah.
0: yeah. How, do, how does it hold together? It doesn't really hold
1: together. It doesn't sort of work because it, uh, what's this guy? from Groundhog Day, Phil, yeah. Phil Connors, oh, Stephen Tobolowsky, the scene with him and that becoming the reveal of, of it actually being the backstory of Guy Pierce's character. They don't really work yeah. when you sort of put it in chronological order. Also, just want to mention, because, you know, you talked about Lord of the Rings, the Superman box set, mm-hmm.
4: the documentaries on those. We were in a terrible, terrible mind in terms of, of having to get things done quickly because Brando and Hackman had been signed. And they were locked into start date.
1: They really were unvarnished sort of lookbacks on what the set was like and the struggles for Donner with the Salkines and making the first blockbuster in the comic book realm, two films at once, a huge undertaking.
4: And I'm remembering something like we got on the picture like at Christmas and we were going to shoot in June. Six months is no time to prepare a huge picture like this. I cannot talk for Guy Hamilton but whatever he did, he saw the picture different than I did. There was not one piece of preparation of that year that they had on the picture that I could use. They had spent $6 before Dick even got on. Nobody knew how to make Superman fly. Dick started from scratch.
1: And uh, it's a great documentary. It's like the alien quadrilogy in that respect, where the gloves are off, but no one's trying to strike blows. Mm -hmm. They're just sort of -of matter-of-factly telling you, oh, we didn't get on. This person had Parkinson's, you know, whatever, whatever,
5: whatever. whatever. There was also well, the, the Phantom Menace documentary. Do you remember that one? Pierce, I was oh, literally about yes, to say yeah. it.
0: I was literally about to say Which, it. Which, again, no, in sort you of... You can't get that, no. You can't you know, get I'm it.
5: sure at the time they didn't, they didn't think they were releasing anything that was, like, you know, too revealing. But actually, it's yeah. only kind of in hindsight when you watch it and you kind of go, oh, okay, that's interesting so, moment. Oh, but, it's, you know, when Lucas kind of says...
6: Jar Jar is a key to all of if we get Jar Jar working, because he's a funnier character than we've ever had
2: in
5: any of the movies. before. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, <laughs> you're like, oh God, no, man. Oh. This also this a bit where they showed the like the rough cut to the staff again to the guy, that's you know, the, the inner circle the for the I'm first time. Him, yeah. <laughs> And li- yeah. like literally, it's like, OK, let's do this. And it's like cut to two hours later. And just so you can see, the, the blood has kind of drawn from people's faces. Yeah. And they're kind of like wondering what, what the... And even Lucas is there going.
7: It's a little disjointed. It seems like a lot of short scenes. It's bold in terms of
6: jerking people around, but...
3: I may have gone too far in a few
2: places.
0: Yes. Isn't it? And he goes, uh, It goes from A to C. <laughs> but it needs to really go from A to B to C. We're kind of missing B. Yeah. We need to find a B somewhere. It's, you know it's emergency stations of like, how are we going to fix this? How are we going to fix this? And, and boy, did they. <laughs> but it's on, I'm sure it's one of those documentaries. It's on YouTube. You don't find it on the, it's on YouTube. It is on I YouTube, yeah it's, yeah, yeah. it's so well- It's so good. And also it. as
5: well, you get to see um, Spielberg and Lucas just hanging out like two movie nerds yeah. on the set. Yeah. And basically Lucas is kind of showing him around and he shows him one of those droid things and the arm falls off and they're trying to put it back on. <laughs> Spielberg's like he's a enabler.
0: This is going to be the best movie ever made, George. Gonna this is going to break great. all the records. It's record. going to be amazing. It's going to
1: be amazing. <laughs> it's kind of sweet, their friendship in that respect. It is. Yeah. It is. And actually, but, you know, yeah. when
5: you mentioned earlier on about, you know, it's a shame that Spielberg hasn't done um, commentary tracks. I always remember the it was a Lawrence of Arabia uh documentary the one that's on the dvd with him talking about it because oh where
7: well, he was waxing Lyric about david well yeah Lane. that he watched yes. it
5: with david lean and david lean basically gave
7: a commentary to him i was involved in the restoration of lawrence and i remember the honor of sitting next to david the first time we showed him his own film and he watched it for the first time in a long time with us all finished brand new answer print on the available printing stock that was much better than the available printing stock he had in the 60s. But instead of being quiet and watching the picture for his own pleasure, he wanted to talk me through every single scene. So I got a kind of, what we have on our DVDs today, where you've got the director talking about his film while you watch the picture, you got the narration on one track. It was exactly the experience I had, except it was live. And David Lean is next to me, giving me all the details of how every single sequence was shot, where it was shot, What Peter O'Toole was like that morning. That was a good morning for Peter, a bad morning for Peter. What it was like working with Omar Sharif. What it was like working with Alec Guinness again. I mean, David was narrating the backstage, how I made Lawrence of Arabia, while we were watching together, Lawrence of Arabia restored. It was an amazing Couple of hours for me. Could you imagine, like, how you know? It's such a pity nobody was able to record that.
0: Yeah, it is such a shame. My God, that would be amazing. Imagine nowadays
1: you've got to sign up to a podcast to hear an audio commentary. <laughs> <laughs> it's tragic. Please,
0: Please consider, consider becoming a, a Patreon, Patreon member, where, where you will enjoy, enjoy bonus commentaries.
5: But <laughs> well, you know, again, the great thing is that, like, so many of these commentaries are on YouTube, and. You can, like, you know, it's it's quite easy to download them as MP3s, put them on your phone, and they're basically like a podcast. So if you've run out of episodes of Best Bits to listen to, <laughs> you could actually then listen. Because they are sort of like mini film schools, some of them. Yeah, they are. They're quite, they quite are. amazing.
1: Ours are especially.
5: Yeah, I'll give you just a couple of more examples of the um, Werner Herzog's yes, commentary on Aguirre, uh, Wrath of God, is Brilliant! brilliant. Uh, first of all, wow. it's Werner Herzog, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. you would listen to him reading the screenplay to Tenant, And, you know, yep. that would be the first time any of us will have heard the screenplay to, to they are
0: going backwards. There we go. Now they are going forwards. <laughs> and now everyone's going backwards. And it, tur- it turns Ozzak out,
5: behind. if you make a film in the Peruvian rainforest with Klaus Kinski, you may come back with a few stories. So... <laughs> <laughs>
0: I got a Werner Herzog uh, box set, which yes. includes the documentary "My Best Fiend," the documentary yeah. Herzog made about Klaus Kinski. Yeah. and that's great. It's great. That's. I mean, listen, it's, it's all behind-the-scenes Listening so to
5: this commentary just to hear him describe uh, Kinski as a pestilence on the set. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so it's so good. I didn't realize that they met. Ima- like he knew Kinski since he was thirteen. They yeah, apparently were yeah. in like boarding houses or something, uh, you know, for like rogue kids or whatever. And they were kind of put together. And he said, even then, this, Kinski was doing unbelievable scandals, <laughs> which
1: was just like
5: fantastic. Um,
1: also, I yeah. just want to mention one which is an absolute yeah. classic. And this is also on YouTube. And it is the Danny Dyer and Nick Love commentary for so Outlaw. All right, so listen, the bottom line is this film got a fucking hostile reception when it came out. A lot of people, a lot of the press didn't like it Now They thought it was fucking too violent. They thought it was
3: glorifying violence. They th- you know the maddest thing is they thought it was about a fucking country that doesn't exist. No. They're saying that what well, you know the, the, the press were saying. Oh, how can you fucking say that about
1: this film? You know, how, how can you say we live in a lawless country and there's nonsense running around, there's people running around
2: stabbing each other? And like, "What fucking papers are you reading, you dozy cunts?" No stars. I've never, I've never seen no
5: stars before. You fucking slaves. It, it takes you to film school, right? Yeah. It's Danny Dyer film school, the best kind of film school
0: <laughs> I've never seen. A <laughs>
5: I'll give you another commentary so which is on YouTube as well Um, Spinal Tap. Because yes. the commentary that we got on the DVD over here is the cast as the characters. So they're in character yes. doing the commentary, and they're very upset when Marty de <laughs> Hello. Hello.
2: My name is Marty de That's
5: the guy. A
2: I make a lot of commercials.
5: Yeah.
4: he takes a lot of shit, don't you? Sh- no. Let him have <laughs> his let say. Let him right. have his say. doesn't mm-hmm. look Italian, does he? No.
2: In I don't think DeBerg is his real name. I think he changed name. his
4: name, you know. I think so. Really? Yeah. His real name roll is DeBergamo. No. DeBergowitz. No. DeBergowitz. No. De yeah. yeah, I, I think he's, have the, he's, he's a, uh, one of those... Um...
2: Redefine the word rock and roll.
4: Yeah, he is one of those. Check it out, DeBergowitz. Their
2: exuberance. Yeah. Their raw power. I don't, I don't know why
4: we trusted him.
5: But there was also another commentary that was on the Criterion US DVD, and it's just them actually not in character, but as themselves, talking about the movie and how they got the movie made and where it all kind of wow. the genesis of it and that kind of thing. And it's really, really great, man. It's It's very, very funny, but also full of kind of detail. It's worth it just to hear Christopher Guest talk about the origins of Nigel Tofnell. I was actually,
4: I was living at the Chateau Marmont. This was in the 70s, in fact. And a band came into the hotel lobby. I happened to be sitting there. And, uh, Englishman. And they came in with the manager. And they were checking in and the manager said to one guy, Do you have your bass? I said, I, What do you mean? He said, Do you have your bass? I left it at the airport. He said, you left your base at the airport? He says, yeah, I left it there. He said, well, go and get it. What? He said, your base. Where's my base? (laughs) I don't have it. He says, you left it at the airport, you nit. So I did what? (laughs) You said you left it. Left what? And I'm not exaggerating. This went on for 10 minutes, and I was just entranced with this. And finally he said, go and get it. And he said, go and get it. (laughs) What? It's your base, you nit. Go and get your base. Where is it? At the, the airport. airport. So finally, this went on for 10 minutes and I thought, well, you know, this this has to be, we we need to do this here.
5: But it's just <laughs> basically Nigel and uh, just not understanding anything really about the world and kind of just talking in that kind of English accent. It's, it's fantastic. You also kind of hear as well that they were given 50,000 to write the script at first draft. And after a couple of days, they realized. Wow, that's a lot. That was a lot back, then. back in the 80s, yeah, early 80s sorry I was uh, <laughs> <back>. <laughs> but they realised like you wouldn't really get across what the thing was going to be on the page so instead they used the 50 grand to do like a 20 minute sizzle reel of, of stuff some of which is actually in the movie so if you remember the black and white footage of them sort of early days of the band you know they're singing you know what I want do to do you remember yeah. all that. that was part of that also the Bruno Kirby stuff in the limo terrible movies
4: are we still in Manhattan? No, no, no. We've gone... Uh, we, that tunnel we went through goes under the Hudson River. So a We're time. now in New York. It's yes, it's a tunnel. It's it's a somebody had tunnel. smoked windows.
2: Excuse me. I <laughs> do.
4: Are you reading Yes, I Can? Yeah. Have you read it? Yeah. By Sammy Davis, Jr.? Yeah. You know what the tunnel of that book should be? Yes, I Can, if Frank Sinatra says it's okay. Because <laughs> Frank calls the shots for all those guys.
5: <laughs> they, they also kind of said as well that you know a lot of the scenes they were done like curb your enthusiasm which was you know there was a beginning and an end and like you know the people uh-huh. the, you know the actors knew that but how they got there was kind of up to them so like when you watch like let's say Fran Drescher or someone like that in the movie she's basically just coming up with that on the spot basically wow. um, and most of the takes were the first take because that's when people are listening the most and being surprised. And you're capturing mm-hmm. that surprise because it is literally the first time they're hearing any of Th- that's this.
0: That's how they went on, Chris Guest went on to make all of his films after that where there was no rehearsal and but they shot a lot of footage That's uh, and cobbled it together. At the end, the well, end.
5: It, again, yeah, there's another hour of extra scenes on the DVD of, you know, it's like an additional tap movie. Wow. It's probably the best scene is tap go to the zoo. Again, Pa bot <laughs> might want to stick that in there. Done. I've Ooh. heard it mainly... These large apes, mm-hmm. they're bread eaters
4: mainly.
3: They go for, you know, any kind
5: of uh, bread is and mainly. Yet it's,
4: and yet they've developed as a race, they've developed no baking skills. No,
3: none whatsoever, no. And yet, but amazing. they still
4: feed on bread primarily. They're race though, they're a genus. Well, some of them well, are smarter are than a others, culture. you can't really. They're a culture, rather yeah. than well, a genus. They're a you know. genus and a subculture. Yeah. yeah. The culture right. is A. They're not a counterculture. You think no, of the no. baboons as perhaps being a countercultural. counter-cultural. Yeah. The age,
3: smaller, yeah. the smaller monkeys are mainly bread eaters
4: yeah. as well. You know. Really? In the wild, yeah. They mostly eat bread, different types of well, bread. Well, I knew a monk. I Christ. knew a, a bloke had a monk. <laughs> ate onion soup. <laughs> My
5: God. I know. Also,
1: let's yep. also uh, give a quick shout out to uh, the John Carpenter and Kurt Russell. I was just going to say, they yeah. are always
5: a good Any hangout. Any John Carpenter commentary is fantastic. But the one with Kurt Russell, because yeah. they're just two mates hanging out. Yeah. They just,
1: they're in the middle of doing like a commentary on the thing and they're talking about, is uh, your son still playing hockey? Oh, yeah, yeah. And like, oh, good.
6: Yeah. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs>
7: The big hat was <laughs> something I really enjoyed. I don't <laughs> yeah. know how you felt about it, but well, I, I had to live it. <laughs> I had to
6: learn to love it. <laughs> Look at this.
2: <laughs> Set the dummy on fire. <laughs> that couldn't be our. <laughs> that couldn't be our. Problem.
4: We don't know why you find that flashlight.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: he hides behind you. <laughs> I'll he still <hid>. uses. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! There. Whoa! <laughs> I can do this all day
1: oh man ah, I love it the irony commentary as well where he's doing commentary for Total Recall and it's just like this is me acting here and I'm looking really strong because the character
4: is strong or this is me Arnold Schwarzenegger and this is me on a screen here riding towards the camera here this is my job I'm a construction worker <laughs> I continuously used him as a human shield Now, I threw him down the escalator that's a funny scene she's trying to steal the suitcase this is a wonderful scene uh where i uh, come up to mars as an old lady as a fat old lady she has three breasts huh that's the one with the three breasts oh
5: god <laughs> love him that sounds like quite, it, that sounds like my burner had off no impression. idea you went <laughs> in this is
0: you're doing audio commentary He's what not... do you mean audio commentary it's just like yeah well you just talk about the movie Bella, well i will talk
5: about the movie
0: <laughs> you <Yeah>, know any... <laughs>
5: <laughs> One more. One more, because this is a screen, one this is a screenwritery one, okay? Uh, Chinatown, David Fincher and Robert Town, and oh, it, it's really? also on YouTube, so no excuse. Is this an audio commentary or what is it? Audio commentary. It wow. is fascinating, and Fincher talks a lot in it, and you're kind of getting almost like two commentaries for the price of one. I mean, you're getting Robert Town telling you how he wrote Chinatown and why, um, but also you're getting a whole lot of Fincher and kind of understanding the kind of director that he is and what makes him tick and the things that he responds to, stuff like the way that Polanski frames a scene, even down to really small details. I've asked you this before, but I, I think it's good
2: to finally put it to rest, which is somebody who once pointed out to me something about this movie, the visual motif of this movie and how unbelievably relentless and perfectly formulated this this the visual motif which is and you've told me that that you were unaware of it but the notion that throughout the movie there's a running gag of two objects that are similar and one one of which is flawed and it begins with the watches here and the watches get wound and they get left under the tire and one of them gets crushed and later on the glasses that are going to be found in the saltwater tide pool—one of them is broken—and the sunglasses that that uh, Nicholson wears out in the orange groves when he gets hit, and one of them lenses breaks. When he follows Evelyn, he goes out and he breaks one of the tail lights. It can even take it as far as the nostril that gets slit, and the imperfection in in Fay Dunaway's eye, even through to the the sister, daughter that you have these two, and. Was that at all discussed ever? No. (laughs) It was never discussed. And uh, I was as surprised, I guess, as anybody when it was pointed out to me. (laughs) But it was operating. I was dimly aware when I used the flaw in the iris that there was some uh, leitmotif going on. But I didn't really pay that much attention to it. It's so funny because it is one of those things where, especially when a movie achieves the kind of – status that this movie has in terms of, you know, its value to film students, you know, there are people heap meaning onto, uh, onto pictures. And, and, and so it becomes one of those things where when it was first told to me, I thought that is the most brilliant thing I've ever heard. And the fact that the creators of this film, could have kept that front and center and that that was part of their, the way they stitched the whole thing together. And I'm so glad that when I finally brought it up to you, you rolled your <laughs> eyes and, and laughed. <laughs> yeah,
5: no, I, it was operating at a, a level of which I was unaware. And I don't think Roman was either. Imagine working with, with Fincher. He must be just every single detail, mm-hmm. just like a, under a microscope. You know the guy Great doesn't crack. doesn't miss a thing. <laughs> Great crack, yeah. yeah. So relaxed, so so, so relaxing. Back. But um, do you town- remember when he
1: trolled Ben yeah. Affleck and uh, he said that um, they had to shut down production on was a gun girl because uh, the character wouldn't wear a, a Mets hat or something like that.
5: It was, it was oh yeah, and, is he, and, is or Yankees like hat fan he or something like that. Affleck, or, yeah, yeah,
1: Celtics or whatever American sports. Um, and it was all bullshit. He was just making it up. He was just making <laughs> up to to poke fun. And um, people took it
5: seriously, talking about things that aren't they true. Want to do. He tells town about this theory that somebody told him, oh, Robert okay. town <laughs> No idea that, that that was there. No idea. <laughs> yeah. So it does kind of show you how much we can read yes. into things, and um, that you know the people themselves weren't <laughs> aware of. You know, he's also fascinating just about Nicholson's character as Definitely. well. Just again, as screenwriters, yeah just talking about how it was like a reaction to the sort of classic private eye character that doesn't do divorce work. But like in his experience, the most successful private eyes all did divorce work. But he also made a point of, in a lot of scenes, you've got, got Giddies basically right, yeah, right. I mean, telling the audience what his code is and making sure that they understand that he has lines that he won't cross. You know, So he does have some kind of morality so then when you see like John Houston, and when the whole thing kind of unravels at the end and the evil of John Huston's uh, Noah Cross character, mm. it really, you feel it hits home with, with Nicholson's character. It means something, you know, there's a heart there to be broken. They also said they had a great line. They had a great line about character. character. Character is layers of dysfunction.
1: I suppose that's true because people are just layers of dysfunction. Just, I was going <laughs> to say, look at us, but no,
5: don't. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic.
1: And do you want to spin the wheel one I'll more it, I'll time? Give, I'll
5: give it a go. It should be well-oiled by this stage. Now, Mick said he was really going to do a job on it. There we, we go. We did three the
1: last time. <laughs> a symmetry. Hopefully this is a,
5: an easy topic. Okay. Let's see here. We got uh, Best
0: Trailer. Oh, my God. Best Trailer. Google Best Trailers.
1: There's <laughs> one that immediately comes to mind for me. Go on. I tend to remember the trailers
0: That let me down the most. (laughs) So great trailers, but the film then is terrible. Mm. Yes. Okay. It is
1: the US domestic trailer to Prometheus. Oh, okay. Yes. That trailer kicked ass.
3: A king has his reign.
1: Obviously it harkened back to the original Alien trailer which again is also a masterpiece you know with the klaxon going off and this building tension and dread but the film itself felt like all it was was that trailer so I'm almost glad the film existed because that trailer is so amazing They want us to come and find them
3: We're all here because of a map you two kids found in a cave Not a map, an invitation
2: From whom? Please tell me you can read that. Prometheus, are you seeing this? Whatever that probe is picking up, it's reading life form. What do you mean a life form?
3: Oh, the head. It's changing. Changing into what?
6: moving
3: these things moving
4: what is that there's a ship they're
3: leaving
6: to go where earth we were so wrong take us home if you don't stop it
2: they won't be home to go back to why is that door open
0: That was amazing, Kevin. Yeah, I'm so glad you played it in full. That was incredible. Isn't,
5: since we were talking about like documentaries and stuff, isn't there a brilliant documentary about the making of Prometheus? Oh, I haven't watched it as well, which is better than the movie. It would have to be because it also interviews the original writer.
0: Oh, um, John Spates. John Spates, yeah.
5: And he's quite mm. kind of candid, basically, about you know his role and then what happened when what's his name took over.
0: Damon Lindelof, yes. Yeah
5: and the changes that were made. You don't normally get to see the original writer talking on the documentary. For some reason, you know, production companies don't like that. <laughs> I wonder why. That's why we start podcasts.
1: <laughs> Do you know what other trailers that I really like are the ones which are bespoke. Mm. They're not actually cobbled together from footage from the film. It's like a, a scene in mm. itself. And one coming to mind is the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels trailer.
4: This Christmas... You will want to see a movie that cherishes good human
7: values.
4: It's more of a teaser trailer, but
1: it's the one with Steve Martin and Michael Caine, and they are walking along a harbour, and they pass an elderly lady who is hobbling along. And as the trailer comes to an end, Steve Martin gently pushes the lady into the river. And it's very um, yes. yes. funny.
4: We'll looking for this Christmas. Then you won't want to see... Dirty rotten scoundrels. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think
5: we might have mentioned this before, but the Godzilla ones, obviously, as well. The oh yeah, from 1998 with the I foot think, that, oh, that yeah. Godzilla, with the museum one and the fishing one. The museum one was again like you said, a bespoke, not in the movie, just shot yes. for that teaser thing. And also, it was an in-joke, obviously, about Jurassic Park, because you got all these kids on a school trip looking at a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Teeth.
2: Weighing more than four metric tons. You know, I'm
5: just saying this is the most fearsome predator ever to be on the planet Earth. And then this huge Godzilla paw comes down through the roof of the museum and crushes it, which is pretty cool. This
2: creature was believed to be one of the largest predators who ever lived on Earth.
1: The trailer to Rogue One that was cobbled together with footage that never ended up in the film it was like alternate cuts and they were adding in TIE fighters and stuff that weren't there Mm. and that was a cracking trailer but yeah a lot of that stuff just was not part of the narrative of the film
4: we have a mission for you a major weapons test is imminent we need to know what it is
2: and how to destroy it
4: is that clear
2: Yes, sir.
5: And that's happened more and more. Also, this isn't a a kind of a new phenomenon at all. You know, you can go back to Psycho. Psycho, the trailer for that is basically six minutes of Hitchcock walking around the set. Oh, giving... (laughs) And kind of teasing you. i tell you what it reminded me of. It reminded me of one of those those Irish Times property videos. You know, where the video goes in and shows you around the house. Good afternoon. But it's Hitchcock showing you around, you know. Here we have a quiet little motel. Terrible things happened here last week. You know, I, I couldn't possibly begin to describe. And eventually he gets to, like, the bathroom. You know, and yeah. uh, and the shower, and he's kind of like, you know, oh, they've cleaned all of this <laughs> up now. It's a big difference. You should have seen all the blood. <laughs> Bathroom.
4: Cleaned all this up, you now Big difference. You should have seen the blood. The whole place was, well, it's it's too horrible to describe. Dreadful. And I'll tell you, there's a very important clue was found here. Well, the murderer, you see, crept in here very slowly. Of course, the shower was on. There was no sound. And, uh,
0: You know, when he comes to the foot of the stairs, he says, you should have seen the body it broke his back uh, on impact. And it was like, yeah, oh, it's great. It's a great marketing, uh, clever it's marketing It's awesome. Voice. I think like every yeah.
5: director should be made, make one of those kind of trailers, you know, <laughs> just walking around the set explaining their movie, you know, but if, well, a wink and a nod.
1: I've mentioned this before on the on the podcast, but I worked for a producer who said to write the trailer first before you write the draft. And I'd never heard of that
0: before.
5: That's, that's too much work. You just write the poster. Write the poster. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just just write, the, write the title. That's all you need.
0: Here, I'm going to be really lazy with my pick because, again, I've had so much time to research this. Lord
1: of the Rings. <laughs> Lord of the Rings.
0: Return of the King. Madness. I'll actually go lazier, right? Hobbit. My favorite. Uh, well, no, not my favorite, but one of the most impactful trailers that I've ever seen. Uh, Star Wars The Phantom Menace. Oh, the yeah. first teaser trailer for that when it landed you have to put yourself in my shoes someone who had been a Star Wars fan yep. uh, all his life never seen a Star Wars film in the, in the cinema and all of a sudden this trailer lands and it conveys mystery epic battles it's, it had everything like you were saying uh, earlier on about Prometheus it promised so much cool yep. shit
6: I will not condone a course of action that will lead us to war
4: A communications disruption can mean only one thing, invasion. At last, we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last, we will have revenge. Begin landing your troops.
3: We haven't much time.
2: The Federation has gone too far.
1: I remember them playing that on MTV. Yes.
5: Oh God! And I just remember it's been one of the first trailers you were able to try and like download. The internet was at a certain point yeah. where yeah, you yeah. could, but it did take like an hour or something like that, you know, yeah. to download. <laughs> and it. you saw, you
0: saw, and you saw like an, a postage stamp size, a video. tiny, quick time, yeah, kind yeah. of little screen. <laughs> and it was also one of those phenomenons that whatever film it was playing in front of and I can't remember which one it was right now had a huge box office boost became the number one film because people just went in to watch the trailer for episode one and mm. they just walked out as soon as the film was over and they would buy a ticket to the next screening of that film so they could see it again in the cinema yeah. but wow wow <laughs>
4: Never get me onto one of those dreadful starships. Always do. There are a master and an apprentice. Wipe them out. All of them.
5: I always thought, like the absolute madness of that trailer revealing Darth Maul's double lightsaber. Oh, double-edged lightsaber! Why yeah. the hell do you show that in a trailer? Surely you keep that for the movie. Imagine if you didn't—you had no idea about it, and then it happens. Like they did know, it as well
1: it. in the Force Awakens. But you're reminding me, Will of the premiere of the Force Awakens trailer and it was shown at the expo they do for Star Wars right yeah, yeah. they played that trailer to an auditorium of about 10,000 people and the uh, shivers of anticipation where they're like it's an actual destroyer in the desert mm. and of course it ends
0: we're home and just the eruption that, I have to admit that trailer gave me tingles that trailer certainly gave me tingles as well I was uh, I had uh, a fan boner watching it <laughs>
1: oh I'm going to mention as well because one of my favourite films is uh, Halloween and when the requel came about the legacy sequel the Halloween 2018 one you know bringing back Laurie Strode
2: I have prayed every night that he would escape
4: what the hell did you do that for
6: so I can kill him
1: and it's just like cutting to the shotgun going off it's like this is fucking this is movies this is cinema his home
7: I
2: need to protect my family
4: You have no security system, Karen. Mom, you need
7: help.
6: Evil is real.
4: There's a reason we're supposed to be afraid of this
2: night. I've been preparing for this for a long time. It is not safe to be on the street tonight. Go home! Get out of here! Get inside!
6: Michael!
1: I loved it. I loved it <laughs> I would I remember I was so excited that I was like watching all of the different YouTube reactions to the trailer itself and it just that's really fucking call. worked
5: I'll give you a couple of more yeah. obvious ones I suppose Citizen Kane that trailer is still amazing suppose it, that's cinema as well though. but it's yeah. like it's just so weird. it's basically <laughs> Orson Welles as a microphone talking to you and he's so cocky basically, and confident about kind of introducing the cast. He was like, you know, you don't know this person's name, but you will. Wow. Thank you. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen?
4: This is Orson Welles. I'm speaking for the Mercury Theatre, and what follows is supposed to advertise our first motion picture. Citizen Kane is the title, and we hope it can correctly be called a coming attraction. It's certainly coming coming to this theater, and I think our Mercury actors make it an attraction. I'd like you to meet them. Speaking of attractions, well, the chorus girls are certainly an attraction, but frankly, ladies and gentlemen, we're just showing you the chorus girls for purposes of ballyhoo. It's a pretty nice ballyhoo. But here's some of our real Mercury people. This is the first time you've seen most of them on the screen. Hey, uh, give Joe a little light. Thanks. Now, smile for the folks, Joe. Smile. Joseph Cotton ladies and gentlemen that's it Joseph Cotton I think you're going to see a lot of him here's Ruth Warwick whom I know you love Ruth look at the camera Ruth (laughs) we caught Ruth with her hair up and here's somebody you've all heard on the radio so I don't have to tell you he's wonderful Ray Collins
5: it still feels kind of fresh and new and different decide for yourself And one other one as well, and um, probably the funniest trailer. Um, oh, here we that, go. It's going uh, to go. it? <laughs> be grabbers, isn't it? It's going to be grabbers. You know it. Thanks, man. The Jerry Seinfeld documentary, Comedian. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, it's – well, it's interesting. It, it, it hasn't aged that well, unfortunately, yeah. because – well – uh, basically, Jerry's there, you know, he's, the whole conceit of it is that he's done, he's done Seinfeld, the series is over, he's done his special, which is basically all his greatest hits, and now he's thrown, he's never going to do any of the old material again, it's just going to be all new material. So it's him starting from scratch, and you see what a painful journey it is to put together, like, an hour of stand-up. You see him, like, in comedy clubs, just, like, literally just failing, yeah. you know, like, flat on his ass. And, in fact, even the audience kind of going, is this your first time? i can't you know mr seinfeld um and there's also a young comedian as well who's kind of on the way up trying to kind of make his way so there's kind of a dual narrative going on but ultimately uh seinfeld's story ends with him going to see bill cosby so um i'm basically telling him it is one of the honors of my life to know you it's just like oh god man okay that has an age but the trailer is fantastic trailer is again bespoke It's Hal Douglas, the dean of East Coast trailer narrators in a world. That guy. Oh, bring him back. Right? Yeah, that guy. And it's just a a sketch, basically, of him trying to do, uh, you know, they want him to do the the narration for the trailer for this movie, and he just can't stop, you know, all of these cliches in a world. You know, know, a renegade cop. (laughs) (laughs) A space station. Whoa, feedback.
2: all right let's try this This is the voiceover for comedian movie trailer take one in a world where laughter was king
4: uh no in a world jack what do you mean no in a world
6: it's not that kind of movie
4: oh okay in a land that no in a land either in a time i don't think so in a
2: land
6: before time it's
4: about a comedian jack one man no when your life is no longer your own what What does that mean when everything you know is wrong that's wrong in an outpost no on the edge of space no space a girl no two girls no now no more than ever stop it. a renegade cop i hate you a robot renegade cop
2: you're fired you're fired no you're actually fired i'm fired
4: get out of the booth jack no I like
1: it in here It's fantastic The Mad Max trailer Fury Road Oh
0: yeah That was a good one Yes that was powerful mm-hmm. That was absolutely I
1: good. just quickly googled their Best uh, trailers I googled I googled Greg Mubi trailer And um, <laughs> they came up
0: <laughs> Do you know uh, yes. I obviously like. I my, my blinkers are on tonight But one just popped into my head That another uh, One that was very formative for me Was the original teaser trailer For <laughs> Aliens the one that's just like uh like the bitch is back no no it wasn't that there was there was no dialogue it uh, was just it was a teaser so it was all like like hard cuts against harsh music and it was really really oppressive and scary and terrifying just like that sharp music and i was terrified of the film just from the trailer alone
1: i guess this is probably the place to mention it but Grabbers won an award for its trailer. Really? It did. Uh-huh. There's an actual award show for trailers.
5: <laughs> Next thing you'll be telling me, there's a podcast for best bits. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Come on. Are you serious? <laughs> an awards, awards for trailers. Come on. I'm
1: deadly serious. Just like, you know, advertising companies give out awards. They have their own trailer houses, have their own award show. <laughs> advertising well,
5: companies don't like to slap each other on the back. Come on. They would be totally against that. The
1: Golden Trailer Awards, they're held at the Saban Theatre and Grabbers was nominated for the Golden Fleece Award. And it was up against Hit and Run, The Last Stand and The Man with the Iron Fists and Grabbers won. And basically, what the Golden Fleece means is that it's a great trailer for a terrible film that duped the audience. What? What?
0: (laughs) It's on Deadline. Oh, (laughs) that's horrible. (laughs) Catharsis. <laughs> well, it's good to vent it here. It is. It's good to vent it on, yeah, I think it's important to get a the the whole lot of the bastards.
4: You're throwing a party. <laughs> it's a welcome party for me. We're leaving in a fortnight. It's just a goodbye party, whatever.
2: <laughs> Tequila! Sandra.
3: Have you got
7: some tags on you? Not on me, no. Oh, I'm pissed.
3: It's okay. I'm all right.
1: You know what? We've talked about extra features and audio commentaries. We've talked about trailers. We've talked about YouTube a lot. And Joe Dante has a YouTube channel called Trailers From Hell, where they do audio commentaries to trailers. And it's a great Site and we're checking out there.
5: Wow. Well, there we go. Pierce, thanks for having us on your show. Listen, thanks, lads. You know, it was great. It was such a it was so fortuitous that I had the wheel all repaired and everything ready to go. <laughs> thanks to Mick in Kulakland. And, you know, can I put an order
0: in for coffee for the morning, Pierce? Because I know your operator yes, store is yeah, it's yeah. doing great business, by the way. So, could I get some coffee in my coffee in the morning rather than just hot water? <laughs> I like
1: civet coffee, you know, it's the one where it has to be digested by a civet, one of those little <laughs> ferret things, and um, that's all I drink. It's that or basically Nescafe, but I'll, you know,
5: whatever. That's, I will see you in the morning, as usual. <laughs> excellent, excellent. <laughs> with, a, with a line of animals ready to eat your coffee. Yeah?
1: So we left the wheel behind because we knew you were coming on and we had to make space for yours so we don't have the wheel to spin it will. one of the first
0: times we've never done it no, yeah okay we'll sort it out and this is so exciting we'll sort it out so it's, it's a blind episode for next week okay Pierce where can people find you on Twitter at Pierce's Writings that is right
1: yeah Pierce's Writings and how do you spell that it's P-E-T-A
5: <laughs> <laughs> no it's not it's, it's Pierce <laughs> as in Pierce Brosnan that's clearly who I was named after
1: Maybe you shouldn't be living
0: here. What goes on in this town
1: is none of your business.
4: As long as I'm living here, it is. Then maybe you shouldn't be living here.
5: (laughs) Uh, Uh, Yeah, that's where you'll find me. And also you'll find me outside of the office of Best Bits with my coffee and trained animals.
0: Love it. Pierce, thank you for coming on. It was great to have you. Thanks, guys. And thank you
1: for listening. And we'll be back next week for another episode of
0: the best bits? I going What podcast is this? <laughs> Adios. <Yeah.
2: laughs>
0: the best bits
1: podcast is produced by Will and Kevin. All audio clips and music heard in this episode is the intellectual property
0: of the respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, race, review. All that good stuff. If you
1: have any notes, comments, scene suggestions, or just want to get in touch with us, email us at bestbitspodcast at gmail.com.
2: I love you to death. Love you to to death, son. And it's jog, on, eh?
4: Good night,
1: cunt.
3: And here is a clip from the lads' latest mini-bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. Mini-bits. Another new episode
1: of oh, this Patreon Podcast, exclusive, exclusive. the best bitch podcast we're willing
0: Kevin how are you Hi honey how are you Oh you know I've got this I've got my corn sorted out I went to the Chiroptus the other day and uh, she your said Your corn uh, My corns Do you, you ever get corns No Do you know what a corn is Yeah it's a bunion on your foot isn't it Yeah like in between your toes stuff like that
1: Do, um, you, do you not wear any shoes like around the house you walk No in,
0: I, I, I wear no it's the opposite GA shorts It's the opposite I wear incredibly tight shoes like those Chinese women oh. who get their feet bound, who had their feet bound, like you know, before the turn of this yeah. last century. And so they had incredible corns and bunions. This is a great opener for a mini-bits episode where we get people disgusted. Squally, it's
1: episode 73 of the mini-bits. <laughs> I'm Kevin, you're Will. This is yeah. our Patreon podcast. Thank you to all our lovely patrons. Yeah. A few of you have jumped in recently. I don't know what we said. We try to goad people into joining up every single episode and then every so often it's like a lot of people join because of one specific episode and yeah. i'm like what did we how did we say it what did we say on that episode It's different <laughs> to the other 270
0: episodes maybe it didn't Go. sound as desperate maybe we said don't jo-. maybe may- reverse psychology that's how we should do it reverse psychology don't join up to our patron don't it's <laughs> Cancel. You don't des- everybody cancel. You don't deserve to be in this group. We don't want you. We don't we like don't the look need of you. You. We don't we don't
1: need anybody.
0: <laughs> it's just us. It's absolutely just us. Hey, should we tell people, we, we did I don't know maybe we shouldn't say it on mic, especially so early. We did an interview with the Irish Examiner last Friday. We did. Yeah. And uh, how do you think yeah. I how do you think I did
1: I, I, I think you did all right. Like you didn't interrupt me once. So I was <laughs> delighted with how I came across. But, you know, there's no sort of time limit on this. We don't know when it's going to get posted. One of our friends was saying, Kathy at the cinema was saying that their interview with, did they do the Examiner as well? It was six uh, months yeah. before it posted. And,
0: and the Guardian, I'm pretty sure. They were they are profiled in the Gar- Guardian as well.
1: Yeah, but we don't do any really promotion. Like nah. We
0: don't do anything. Well this is our first time getting any sort of like proper coverage which is going to be mad. So um uh listen to all you listeners who have uh, found us before we explode. You're you're you're, you're an OG. Bust. You're an OG <laughs> listener before Kevin starts getting gold chains from all his <laughs> Patreon dash.
1: I think I'm more of a silver than a gold, I think oh, yeah. my uh, undertones suit more silver.
0: But, uh, yeah. I just want to die. It goes my I- I-
1: Prince Albert.
5: <laughs> Your hat? <laughs> yeah. I Speaking
1: want of
0: which. The- I want one of those diamond studs in my tooth. That's all I want. So I can go bing whenever I'm on a call. Oh yeah. Bing. I usually just, you know, wink and like glitz.
1: Yeah.
0: Starlight twinkle. <laughs> Speaking of which, I interrupted you. What, 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 did, what did you want to speak of, which? Start the time. Oh, I forgot. You may you as well. The timer. They,
1: all, all these lucky losers are listening in and, and they're wondering, what are we going to be talking about? But we have to start talking about them after yeah. we we say goodbye. But look, I wanted to talk to you about, um, well, you've seen a few things. You've seen the new Godzilla film. Yes. I've seen the first Omen. Uh, I saw Scoop as well. That, oh, uh, we're looking Netflix forward to
0: watching that. Okay.
1: Okay. I'll save my thoughts. And i right. um, what else did I see? I made notes, but sure. It Jeez, doesn't really matter. I think I saw it. And I was going to go through all the summer releases and see what oh, takes your fancy.
0: Okay, okay. I'm looking forward because I don't actually know what's what's on the horizon. So, um, I'm Well, the Joker hear-
1: 2 trailer came out today.
0: I saw it. Yes, I watched that.
1: Mm-hmm. It reminded me of Chicago.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like you see it's all very much in the mind's eye. It, they're calling it a jukebox musical. Am I right in saying that?
1: I think you're right in saying that.
0: So, look. Like, Hey, listen, uh, I actually, what it, what it did remind me of <laughs> was that I want to watch, re-watch the Joker because I saw it in the cinema and I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It was kind of a bold new direction. Uh, I'm just going to go some,
1: back and watch the episodes from the Batman 66 show, the Joker episodes.
0: Oh yeah, that's going to be. Just to fill me just, in like on the lore. You know, <laughs> get up to get, speed. Get you right up to speed. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be there going, where? Where are all the guys in the purple suits with the masks? Where, where are they going to show up? And like, It's you know- a weird
1: time though, where we have the Penguin TV show with Colin Farrell coming out, which is a totally different canon version of the Penguin. Then you have this offshoot of Joker, which is its own universe entirely.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: and then you have the old Batman films that you can watch. Right. And, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just, I don't know. I'm kind there's of so many.
0: But like it's this, just everywhere. What well what's happened is the world, the comic book world has very much entered the, the film world, is where you could have different runs, totally different runs of a character by it's different insane. authors and there'd be totally different riffs on it and stuff. Oh, oh just this is insane. the thing. Kevin, <laughs> so I'm only catching up on this. You mentioned it to me on a on a pod on a podcast. Wait, was it on one of those uh main show? Last- show?
1: It was the last mini bits.
0: Uh, you, s- you said everyone's describing stuff as insane recently. I- and have you started noticing it though? Only only, only with people trying to raise you. That's the only type, place where I've noticed people, no, people trying every, to raise oh you. Oh my God. Oh my God. I could start posting now
1: like um, tweets, comments, TikToks, uh, articles, anything. Insane is everywhere. This is insane. That's insane. It's insane. There was a festival just going on about this insane lineup. Okay. I was like, oh, it's a mentally ill lineup. Okay, <laughs> it's just it's it's everywhere. And the other thing, do you know the other thing that's also bothering me lately? Wow. wow. And this has been bothering me for years and years and years. It used to be that everyone used to misspell definitely. They'd go defiantly. Okay. Oh, it's defiantly whatever. They would just they're morons. But no, I just keep noticing everyone keeps spelling a lot as one word, a l o t, a lot. Yeah. Where has where have they? gotten into their heads that a lot is one word it's the same way that people will write every time as one word
0: what's the one that you've you've pulled me up on a few times and i can't get it right compliment compliment i can't (laughs) but i can't get it right it's like the i because i told you the other day yeah and i went searching for it and i couldn't find this because i had to actually use this. if there's an i in compliment it's i'm paying you Ah, a compliment. That's a good way to remember it. Okay, good. And then compliment. I, I wrote that to you. But you did. And I went to try and find it because I was—I found myself writing the word "compliments," And I went, shit, Kevin. But, I, but you, you gave me a thumbs up, which meant in my world that, yeah, I read that. Thanks. But I did, right? I'm talking about a couple of days later when I was faced with the exact same hurdle of writing the word compliment. I went, okay, what did Kevin say again about compliment? There's an I and the E. What did he say? So I went searching for it and I found it, I think. And I went, oh, the eye is paying me a compliment or I'm giving you a compliment. It's
1: insane how little you can retain information. It's insane.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Come here, let's start talking about what we watched. Come on. Did you start the timer? Yeah, it's it's gone. It's ticking. It's ticking down. The world's going oh, to explode. You know, and... I have to put in the sound effect. I have to. I have to line oh. up all my sound effects. When you said start the like, timer, I have a whole it's...
4: fucking. I have a whole soundboard. Here. <laughs> okay. Like, Jesus Christ! Where's my fucking? What? Where's my ding dang ding? Here we go. The timer
0: has started.
3: There we go. There we go. <laughs>
2: yeah. Right. Okay. Right.